right, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at. We are in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And keep in mind that uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it starts in chapter 5. But I want to start reading a passage here in chapter 6. In verse 1 it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So it's very clear what Jesus is talking about here. You know, when you're doing things like giving, you shouldn't make it a big production. You shouldn't put on a big show. You shouldn't sound a trumpet. You shouldn't do things to just try to draw attention to yourself. If you do that, you have your reward. And really, your reward's not that great. It's just men will look at you and think, wow, you're great. And that's a, and you'll understand that's a reward some people are looking for. Then in verse 5, he also says the same thing. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall we reward thee openly. So again, same thing. Don't put on a big production with your prayer. Don't put on a show. Don't pray just to be seen of men. Now, it's real easy for people to look at passages like this and just kind of get real carnal with it in there and get ultra literal with it and then make it like no public praying. I mean, good night. If they're not supposed to pray standing in the synagogues, I mean, what in the world are we having doing men stand here and pray during service? I mean, they're literally standing and praying in the service. That is a direct violation of the Bible. And folks, is that a direct violation of the Bible? I and mean, we're passing an offering plate. Everybody can see what we're doing. So I mean, we're violating all kinds of stuff in here, aren't we? Well, obviously, the key phrase he says in there, to be seen of men. And understand, you know, when it comes to, we can't tell what you're all giving unless you all are pulling out big wads of 20s and things like that. That's really, you know, you can use offering envelopes and things like, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll overlook it if you drop large amounts of cash in there. But, you know, you'll, you'll lose your reward in heaven. Uh, and But you will get the reward of us thinking you're wonderful. All right. But no, uh, don't get me sidetracked on that. But. Obviously, you know, we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. Obviously, there is a place for public corporate prayer. That's not this. This passage isn't forbidding that there is a there is a time and place where we come together and we pray together. We see all kinds of examples of that in the Bible where they would pray. But what we're not, what you shouldn't do when that time comes, if you get called on to pray, you shouldn't put on a big show with a big fancy prayer. That's not right either. And I might say more about that later on. But, you know, here we have Jesus clearly saying, don't do these things to be seen of men. Don't let other people see these things. And folks, isn't giving a good work? Isn't praying a good work? We're going to look at another example here in a little bit. Fasting. Isn't that a good work? These are all good works, right? Well, now let's go back to chapter 5. And let's look at, uh, if we're going to get ultra literal... On chapter six, like some people want to do, then we got a problem here with chapter five. If we want to get, if we want to interpret the exact same way, because in verse sixteen, it says, "Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven." This is in the same sermon. 
In one part of the sermon, Jesus is saying, let people see your good works. And then in the next part of the sermon, he's like, don't let people see what you're doing. Now, obviously, there's no contradiction here. Obviously, you know, there are things that are very clear that are being taught here. But sometimes people, they do. They just want to be, you know, lazy in their Bible interpretation. They just want to get real ultra literal. And then they just get crazy overboard on something to where they think it's a sin to take offering in church. They think it's a sin for somebody to stand up in church and say a prayer on behalf of the whole church. Uh, that's ridiculous. That, that's the Bible's not like that. So, I want, but what I want to preach about tonight is when we should let people see our works. Because right here in chapter 5, we see that we are supposed to let people see our good works. And I want to show you how to know which things to let people see and which ones to not let people see and not make a show of. So, because on the surface, it looks like we have conflicting passages here. But that's not the case. So the quick and simple answer to the question uh, is, you know, let people see your works when it makes God look good. And keep it to yourself if it's only making you look good. There's a good rule of thumb right there. But how do we know which works make God look good and which works make him look good? You know, I think it makes God look good when I show everyone how much he blesses me and I'm plopping all that money in the offering plate. Well, you can tell yourself that, but no, that's... Uh, I think I think we and I think we all instinctively know a lot of these things, but I really do think we've got something in the Bible that makes it really clear, you know, how we can just kind of know across the board when it comes to these things. So uh, what are some examples of works that glorify God and what are some examples of works that glorify man? Because we are in the business of glorifying God. And here in chapter six, all these examples he's given are ones that the hypocrites do where they were doing these things to lift themselves up, to glorify themselves. And I don't even believe that, he said, that Jesus is trying to teach here that any type of public display of any of these type of works is always a sin across the board. But I do believe it is a sin when you're doing these things to be seen of men. If that was your motivation, you're definitely out of line. That's clearly what he's talking about right here. So in chapter 5, uh, so in chapter 6, we have examples of things we shouldn't do to be seen of men. In chapter 5, though, he doesn't really give any specific, specific examples of what those good works are that would glorify God. But, again, we do see examples in Matthew 6 about things that would glorify man. And I do believe these examples will help us understand things that we should keep private. So the first thing, just to kind of help us understand what we need to keep private when it comes to our good works is first in our giving. So our giving, we need to understand that it's, it is humbling to receive the gift. So for somebody to receive a gift. Okay. When talking about doing your alms, this isn't even talking about just doing your, fulfilling your obligations. I believe this is referring to these extra things, these acts of generosity, you know, these acts of kindness. He said, when you're doing these type of things, don't put on a big show with what you're doing. Don't go on and film it with your phone when you're giving the pregnant waitress a great big tip. I'm so tired of people doing that. And, and I, they're just trying to inspire others. Yeah, but you know what? It is. When somebody gives you a very generous gift, it's a blessing, but you know, it is humbling too to receive that gift. I mean, I hope if somebody comes and gives you a large gift that you're not like, you know, I deserved it. 
No, that's the whole point of it being generous. They didn't have to do this. You know, you don't deserve this. This person did this out of the goodness and out of the kindness of their heart. They decided that they wanted to be a blessing to you. And especially, too, if you're somebody that's in need, you know, and obviously the pregnant waitress that, you know, looks like she hasn't slept in days, you know, she looks like she's in need. And so when that person, put, you know, makes them go viral on social media, giving them money and they're crying all stuff, that stuff, you know, that's, that's humiliating. You know, don't, don't do that to people. Give them the generous tip and don't let anybody know about it. You know, that's, the, that's the way you're supposed to do it. But boy, these people, they love, they love getting all the praise and they get a lot of praise for it too. You know, they're hoping that they'll get one of these CNN Heroes Awards or something like that that they give away or somebody's going to interview them on the news and sometimes it happens. And I get it. They're just trying to inspire other people. But, you know, don't do these things at the expense of somebody else. It is a very humbling thing. So for you to make a show of it, you're kind of exploiting somebody in doing that. Yeah, but so what? I gave away $200. But you know what? You got a reward out of that too. You know, there's a lot of people they'll pay thousands of dollars if they know it'll make a video go viral. They're that desperate for attention that they will pay hundreds, thousands of dollars at the drop of a hat if it'll make a video go viral. And some of these people too filming these things, they've got these monetized channels and things and they make a lot of money on TikTok and Instagram and all this. And so all you're doing when you're sharing these things, you're just helping them make more money. They went, you know, they went and just humbled that lady they exploited her, and y'all are helping to make the money by sharing that stuff. They, they should be keeping these things themselves. All it's doing is them lifting themselves up. And we, lo- we lose our reward when we make a show, or we lose our heavenly reward, I should say. Because you can get the reward of the viral TikTok video. You can get the reward of the praise of man, but we're trying to lay up treasures in heaven, which we see in Matthew chapter 6. So we don't want to throw those things away by heaping up all this glory for ourselves. And so we lose our reward when we make a show of our sacrifice. It's supposed to be between you and God. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand doeth. You know what? Just do those things. Do those alms. Do that good work. But you know what? Don't make a show of it. Just do it. Just do it. You know, uh, our prayers. Okay? There is a time and a place for prayer that's public, that's 100% appropriate, but that prayer should never be meant to draw attention to our praying. That's not what we should do. We see many, we do, we see a lot of examples of public prayer in the Bible, and there's many instances where it's needed. You know, so, um, I don't know if they're still doing this, but you know, in a lot of times when, you know, they used to do it, when Congress would meet, someone would say a prayer. I wish they'd still do that, and I wish they'd actually get somebody to add the Holy Ghost to get up and say that prayer. And not some freak that's going to get up there and say, amen, and a woman. That's not what we need. But, you know, at the same time, I do think it's appropriate at public things when there is public prayer like that. And you have someone say, say that prayer on behalf of everyone. I think that's fine. That's not violating this. That's me going and looking for an opportunity to do some kind of public prayer so I can get attention for myself. And understand, too. Say, well, I, I can think of somebody in the Bible who violated that. How about Daniel? But you've got to understand, too, Daniel, what he was doing in his prayer that he was doing that was public before a law was made, he was doing these things on behalf of Israel. You've got Israel that's in captivity because of their sins against God, and, th- and Daniel, who, uh, you know, who is kind of a leader amongst his people and a notable figure, 
he's going and publicly three times a day praying on behalf of his people. I don't think that was, I don't think that kind of thing was wrong. I think there's a time and a place to do some kind of public prayer and public humbling. There's a time for that, but I should never, ever be looking for an opportunity to pray as a way to draw attention to myself and to get attention to myself. That, that is not right. That's not how we should do things. So, uh, so you've crossed the line when the focus of the prayer goes from God to you. And that same thing too. If I, if I call on you to pray in church, if all of a sudden the focus goes away from God, who we're all supposed to be praying to, to we're all focusing on you, you cross the line. Say, how do we do, how could I do that? Well, one way people do it sometimes is they pray these really long prayers. That, that's one way you can do it. Uh, another way is dramatic prayers. My wife and I were talking about an individual that every time we see him, she thinks back to a dramatic prayer that he did at a youth conference. He got called on to pray. They invite him up to the pulpit to pray. And he decided he was going to show everybody how good of a preacher he is when he got up and prayed. And he started preaching a prayer. And boy, did it get dramatic. You know, and my wife, who never wants to hide her emotions, Apparently, she was like standing up in the balcony, just like with a look of shock and disgust. And the pastor like spotted it and like made, you know, noticed her, noticed her face and kind of laughed at it. It was, it was weird. It was, just, it was just really weird. And you know what? That prayer, it quickly went from, all right, you know, let's thank God for this service and the good day and everything we had to. What's wrong with this dude? <laughs> you know, some people might have been impressed, but I, I, I wasn't impressed. I was actually out in the foyer watching it on the screen. And I had one of the kids with me and i was just cracking up i i thought i thought it was i thought it was pretty funny but um you know those dramatic prayers i've been in services before where people are come up to the altar and are screaming okay. now let me tell you sometimes people they need to get shook up about the sin in their life and you know you probably should shed a few tears at the old-fashioned altar but sometimes i don't know was the screaming really necessary I don't know. I, I, I think we might have crossed the line there. I think your prayer, I think the attention just shifted. You know, we see some examples of dramatic, tear-filled prayers in the Bible, but you know what we don't see? Them being noisy. Like Hannah, where she when she was praying, it was a dramatic, tear-filled prayer, but there was no noise. Eli just saw her behavior and noticed it. She wasn't there trying to make... And listen, if she felt that way... She easily could have made a lot of noise when she was doing that, but I think she was trying to keep it private because she was just so overwhelmed. You know, you have the uh, publican who's smiting his breast, and I think, I, but I don't think he's making a lot of noise. I think it's just how he felt. It was real. But I'm sorry, when I've been in these meetings and guys are up there screaming, you know, and maybe the time's going to come where you need to scream at the altar, okay? I, I don't know. But I will say this, that... Um, I was in a meeting one year. The guy went up, screamed at the altar. I mean, I don't even want to imitate it. be kind of sacrilegious, but he's just like screaming out to God. It was weird. But, here's, but I didn't know who it was. I, I couldn't see them, but I could hear them. Let's just say next year I found out who it was because they did it again. And this time I saw him. And I was just like, okay, maybe one time. You know, you need to do that. But really, you got to do that again this year? Something, something's weird. You're, you're drawing attention to yourself. I think you cross the line at that point. And so in reality, there is a time and a place where 
you know, these public prayers, dramatic prayers, all these things are appropriate. But, you know, we all know when it's appropriate, too. I can't really make a set of rules for this kind of thing. We see some pretty dramatic prayers in the Bible where people are crying. Sometimes it was because they didn't have any faith and they were actually throwing a fit. But sometimes it was appropriate because they, were, they felt so bad about their sin. So I think we all know when these things are. I can't make a rule for how loud you can get, how much crying you can do. I can't make rules for any of that stuff. But I, I'm just saying this. Don't make a show of these things. That's not what they're for. And the same principle applies with fasting. Turn over to, uh, or look at verse 16 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Okay? So the thing is, we're not, it's not that we're putting on a show of pretending we're not starving. What we're just trying to do is we're trying not to draw attention to ourselves. We don't want it to be obvious that we're in a time of fasting because this is something between us and God. And he talked about people disfiguring their faces. There's people that were, act, they were such hypocrites, they were trying to look like they were fasting. Now you say, how do we do that today? Well, I will tell you, I have known examples. I've seen people. You could always tell when they were fasting because one of the things that they would do, okay, and some of you all, you're going to think I'm creating a rule. I'm not creating a rule. I'm just telling you what they would do. And you always knew they were fasting to do it because they would show up to church looking sloppy and they would quit shaving all of a sudden. They didn't shave before church. And they, and they would get, you know how you get all whiskery and scruffy looking, you know, when, you, when you're first starting out? You're saying it's a sin not to shave? I'm saying we all know when we kind of look sloppy and scruffy and all that kind of stuff. And most of us, like me, you know, I go for the clean shaved look. But, and, and a lot of times too, you know, those first couple days, it does. It just kind of gives you an I don't care look. And I'm telling you, these guys would do that to make it look like they were going through a tough time. And you know what? It was just one more way to draw attention to themselves. That was all it was. And it was. It was like, yep. It looks like he's fasting again. You know, he looks like he just crawled out of bed. He didn't comb his hair. He hasn't shaved in the last couple of days. He's on, his, he's on one of his fasts again. And he would always find a way to secretly let you know he was fasting. It was like, you always knew. And listen, if you're going to do it, try not to look like you're doing it. Because we're not trying to, we're not trying to make sure we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. That is not right. So based on the principles of these examples that we see, I don't think it's hard for us to figure out things that would be inappropriate. Okay, so even though, you know, the only things it specifically mentioned was giving, praying, fasting, you know, I think we can do this. It's the same thing, too, when it comes to physical labor that we do for others. We don't need to announce to everyone what we're going to do. Uh, you know, Pastor Tom, just pray for prayer requests. Uh, just be praying for me. Uh, I'm going to be helping so-and-so clean out their gutters. They're too old to handle it. I'm willing to sacrifice my time, and I'm going to go over there. And so just pray I don't fall off the ladder. You know, I, I've known people do stuff like that, where it's like they got to let you know all their good things that they're doing. And it's just like, I think you're drawing attention to your good works. I'm glad you're going and cleaning the old lady's gutters. That's very kind. That's a good thing to do, but we didn't need to know about that. 
I, I just need you all to pray for me. You know, do, do you ask for prayer when you're cleaning your own gutters the day before so you don't fall off the ladder then? You know, we all know, we all know these motivations. You know, it's a part of us, you know, physical, you know, physical and spiritual labor that we do for the church. We, we don't need to draw attention to it. We don't need to make a show of it. Obviously, these are good things. Obviously, people are going to see some of what you do. You know, but at, at, at the end of the day, if you're only doing it to be seen, you're crossing the line. And I, think, I believe two rules that will prevent us from most of the opportunities we will have to violate these principles is just one, just don't talk about what you do. Just do it. You don't need to tell everybody about it. Just do it. Bible says in Proverbs 27 two, let another man praise thee and not thy own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. Hey, so if it's always your best friend praising you, some of us are going to think you're probably telling them to praise you. I notice we've got these two guys in the church are always praising each other for their works. I think they have an agreement going on. What does it say? A stranger, hey, a stranger. Let it just come up. Let it just happen. You know, that that's, that's a good thing. When these kind of things take place, it's it's the way it's supposed to be. And if somebody else praises you, I don't believe you lost your reward. You didn't do it for that reason. But a lot of people, that's why they do a lot of things they do. That's not right. Just do the right thing, whether people are looking or not. Well, I don't know why I need to bother going soul winning this week. Your pastor's not going to be there. What's the point of going soul winning if the pastor doesn't see you go soul winning? You know, if, if that's your attitude. You know, we, we've got a problem there. That's not right. Uh, you know, and pastors often make the mistake of getting up and regularly talking about just all the woes and challenges of pastoring. You know, they love to talk about how many hours they've worked that week and, you know, how much time they spent studying. Just, you know, all, the, all these sacrifices of the ministry, folks, you'll just never understand. You'll never understand what a pastor goes through. You'll never understand all the burdens that we have to carry, blah, blah, blah. Listen, if a pastor has to do this, there's probably a problem. It's probably a sign of insecurity that he probably isn't really doing that much. If a pastor's got to get up and talk about how many hours he worked that week for the church, chances are he was probably fishing several hours too. And so, and somebody saw him out on the lake. And so he's got to, he's got to make sure everybody knows, man, they're probably telling everybody the church saw me out on the lake. I was out there, you know, three days this week. You know, and then you got to let everybody. So in, in service, somehow he's going to get in all that he did that week. No, you know what? I like what it says in First Timothy four, thirteen. It says till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So notice that if a pastor is actually laboring in the word like he's supposed to, his profiting is going to appear to all. You all are actually going to be able to tell. I, I don't need to tell you how much I'm studying. If I'm actually studying a lot, you'll be able to tell because you're going to learn some things. You're going to be helped by the study that's going on. You're going to be blessed by the preaching. And so just mark it down. When a preacher's got to talk about how many hours he spends studying every week, it's probably because nobody's learning anything. It's probably because nobody's being fed. But if you're being fed, then you're not even going to wonder about that because clearly something is, something's getting done. And so while this particular passage here 
is directed at pastors, understand the principle applies across the board. People can tell if you're living a productive life and a spiritual life. They can tell. The proof is in your life. If you are actually a good person, people will be able to tell. You won't have to tell people how good you are. If you are a generous person, people are just going to know it. People are going to see it. The proof is going to be there in your life. If you have a good marriage, you don't have to tell everybody how good your marriage is. Let me tell you something. I haven't noticed anybody doing this here, but let me just tell you. Mark people who want to talk about their physical relationship and how good it is with their wife all the time. That usually means their marriage stinks. Okay? Why do you need to talk about that with people? I've known people like that before, and I'm just thinking, something's wrong with these people. Okay? Nobody needs to hear about that. But yet, you bring it up all the time. You always need to talk about these things. Why is that? You know, I, 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 think, there, I, think, I think you're trying to convince everybody of something that's not reality. And truth is, if, if, you have, if people have a happy marriage... People are going to be able to tell. And when it comes to the physical relationship, nobody needs to know anything. So just, you know, don't worry about these things. Some people, they're just, they're so anxious to just tell everybody everything. And I do, I just think you just have this need to persuade because that's just not the case. And so, um, you know, this, so now that, so after seeing this too, this example of that your profiting may appear to all, I believe this is going to help us understand the works that we are to let others see. Because simp- so simply put, when it comes to works that we should let others see, I believe it's works that will make God look good. Okay? But in case that's not specific enough, what are those works? Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. And it says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor... Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill... For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So what people need to see, when the Bible's talking about them seeing your good works and glorifying their Father, which is in heaven, people need to see a life that reflects the one who lives inside of us. That's what people need to see. And what does that look like? They need to see a people who are obedient to the law. Not a people who are telling you, telling them they are obedient to the law. You want to know who told everyone that they were obedient to the law? The Pharisees. And Jesus called them hypocrites. Because of the fact that they put on this, they, they gave this verbal uh, you know, they would pontificate their righteousness to other people. They would put on a show of righteousness, but in reality, they weren't. They weren't righteous. They were. They were violating God's laws. And so, you know, while none of us are going to be perfect in keeping God's laws, what people ought to just see is a people making a real, genuine effort. 
to be obedient to the Lord without telling everybody how obedient that they are. Without telling everybody all the things that you do that I don't do. That we should just be doing these things. Our, and our life should be one that just reflects the one who lives inside of us. But again, in this passage, Jesus didn't get specific on the works. Okay, In chapter 6, he got very specific. He said, alms, praying, fasting. We've got specific things. But what are these specific things that we're supposed to uh, let people see? And I believe if you want a list, all right, because we got, you know, we, you know, you got people that just have a list mentality. I need a list for things. I need to write down some notes so I can start doing these things so everybody can see it, all right? You know, and, and you might be missing the point, but let's go to Galatians chapter 5. If, if you need a list of something, let me show you. And again, this list is not going to be satisfactory for the carnal uh, readers of the Bible, for the carnal students of the Bible that are just looking for a list so they can, in their minds, see what they do and, you know, cream everybody else who doesn't do these things. But let me show you something here that I think will help kind of put all of this in perspective when it comes to what we let people see and what we don't let people see. So in Galatians 5.16, Paul speaking here says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And it goes on and names a whole bunch of sins. And so if you want to know if you're in the flesh, here's a whole bunch of things that you're going to be doing. This is what you do when you're in the flesh. All of these things are against God's law. All of these things are things that all men struggle with. And when we as saved people do these things, we make God look bad, don't we? Lost people, they all, they all do these things. And saved people, we feel like doing them too. And when we do, we make God look bad. God is not glorified when we do any of these works of the flesh that are mentioned. So, Because all of these things do not reflect and they do not testify who is in us and who we are supposed to represent. And what would you think? would happen to an ambassador. Let's say our country, we had an ambassador to, you know, right now with President Biden. He's got an ambassador to Ukraine, somebody that he appointed, and then he's spotted on some video, you know, partying with a bunch of Russians, you know, and, you know, burning Ukrainian flags. You know, that does not represent, you know, the position that Biden's handlers have told him to take when it comes to Russia and Ukraine. And so because this guy is not reflecting that properly, he's probably going to lose his position as ambassador, isn't he? Or they're going to try to make some kind of example of him because he's been a bad example in all these things. And so, you know, we got um, we got to remember our life that we live is supposed to represent the one who is in charge of us. It's supposed to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, it's not, it's not specific here, but let's look and see what uh, I believe you know, God wants us to do. Because we, we make God look bad when we sin, but when we have the fruit of the Spirit, we glorify Him. And right, So notice here, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. 
is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If you want to know what people need to see to glorify your Father which is in heaven, they need to see the fruit of the Spirit. You know what they need to see? Love. They need to see it. They don't need to hear you talking about love. They need to see you expressing love for people. They need to see you doing good things. Because let me tell you, wouldn't we call giving alms a loving act? Okay, that, that's a loving thing, right? But at, at the same time, if you, know, you can also give alms because you love yourself and you want the praise of man. So how do I know if I'm doing it for the right reason? You know, how, how are people going to be glorified? And, uh, and at the end of the day, people are going to be able to figure these things out. They are going to tell. And if they see you blowing a trumpet, if they see you putting on a show, if they see you filming it and posting it to Facebook, just understand they're going to know why you're doing it. And you know what? It's not out of love. And you're the one being glorified instead of God being glorified. And what people just need to naturally see is people loving each other. When people come to this church, you know, you know we have visitors that are here today. You know, if, if, you know, if Brother Eric, he comes here to this church and we're all just telling him, we love you. We, you know, we love you. We care about you. We're glad you're here. Hey, look, I asked you to sit by me. Hey, look, I asked you to go souling with me. Hey, look, and we're all telling him all these loving things that we're doing. It, that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? You know, we should just actually just do those things, not drawing attention to it. You, you shouldn't go up to his, shake his hand and say, hey, did you see that? That was friendly. You know? Hey, everyone, I, I shook the visitor's hand. Aren't I a nice guy? No, you just do it. You know, you just, you do it. And that's the thing. When it comes to, when it comes to love, because okay, some of some people are so stinking carnal, you got to write out a list of things to do that you show love. There is no list of things. When you actually love somebody, you just naturally do what needs to be done. Nobody has to tell mom or should have to tell moms, wipe your baby's nose. They just do it because they love them, and it's gross for a baby to go around with crusty boogers on their face. Nobody has, you, know, you don't have to tell them, change their diaper, even though all these things are loving acts. They just do it because it's bad for a baby to sit there for a long time in a messy diaper. These things, they're just naturally done. And that's what we've got. If, if you have love in your heart, all the things that you do are going to be the right things. You say, and, and you know what? If whatever you're doing, whatever it is, if it is motivated by love, if it is done in the spirit by the fruit of the spirit, you know what the Bible says? Against such, there is no law. You'll never break any of the rules. You'll never violate. You'll never be guilty of any of the things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Joy. Okay? You can't tell someone you're joyful. Okay? If you have to tell everyone you're joyful, it's probably because you're not really joyful. You know, I just, you know, you, but you know, you got people, they're so desperate to look spiritual. You know, I just want to thank the Lord for the joy that he gives me. I'm just such a joyful person. And I've just never been happier in my life. <laughs> and then they lose it or something. Why, why were you saying that? Why did you have to tell us this? Joyful people don't have to tell everyone they're joyful. Everybody just knows it. Everyone just sees it. And, we, and, and so the thing is, if we are in a situation where according to the world, we shouldn't be joyful, and yet we're still joyful, 
people are going to look at that, and you know what? They're going to glorify God. You know, and, I, and I've been there before. I've visited people that were in the hospital, and yet they had the joy of the Lord. And, they, and it was a blessing. And I looked at that, and I, and I, and I don't look at them thinking, you know, you know, wow, you know, these are just great people. No, it caused me to glorify God. Only God can do that. These people are at a funeral. They've lost a loved one. They've gone through a tragedy. Yet they still have the joy of the Lord. That, folks, you know what that does? That, that comforts me. It makes me want to get closer to God. I remember I was at a meeting one time and there was a family who had uh, their son, they were singing at the meeting, and their son had died of a heart attack. He, it turned out he had some kind of heart defect or something. I guess they didn't know about it. He was a teenager playing basketball one night and went and died of a heart attack. I, and, and I mean... I can't even imagine something like that. He wasn't much at the uh, he died at, at, uh, at the time. Tommy was a little bit younger than he was, and I remember these people. They got up and they had they gave that testimony about what happened, and they sang a song that God had uh, used to just minister to him that time called "For His Good and For His Glory." I don't get emotional that often, but I lost it. I lost it. I, I lost it that. And let me tell you something. Every time I got their CD, every time I would hear that song, I never one time listened to that song and thought, wow, these people are fantastic. But I will tell you this. Every time I heard that song, I would just get this overwhelming feeling of just joy and security in knowing that if I ever were to face something like that, just like God took care of them, he'll take care of me. It made, they made God look good with that testimony. They made God look good. And I've seen that over and over again with people who have gone through tragedies and I'm, and I'm comforted and I'm encouraged, not because I think I'm better than them and if they can handle it, I can handle it. No, because there was just something about what they did. There was something about how they got through it. There was something about how they handled it that just pointed to God. And made it look like God was the one that got him through these things. And it comforts, it comforts me and it assures me that if I were to face something like that, I could make it. Because you know what? Joy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. That, folks, right now is a good time. For, if we're going to let people see our good works. You know what people need to see right now? They need to see us having peace in the midst of the insanity that's going on. Listen, yeah, there's some crazy stuff. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I look at those gas prices sometimes. I get pretty freaked out. I got a great feeling yesterday when I saw it go down to 449. It felt really good to just see it go the other direction. But folks, 449, that's awful. This is apocalypse level that, that we're seeing. You know, and this has happened with two Democrats in a row. You know, that ought to tell us something right there. But, you know, you know we need to be at peace. When all these things are going on, that's the kind of thing that will cause people to see our good works and glorify our father. Now, if we got to go out there and tell everybody, I've got peace, you know, I'm keeping my cool. If you got to draw you point to yourself and all that, it doesn't work. If you are actually doing it, people are going to see it and they're going to glorify, they're going to glorify your father. And that's folks, that's what our world needs right now. Our world needs to see some people keeping a cool head through the insanity, through the craziness. Folks, we're not going to get this from our leaders. They're not going to show it on the news. They're not going to show it in Hollywood, places like that. No, we've got to show it in our communities. We've got to show it amongst our families. Long-suffering 
We've got to be able to handle things long. We've got to be patient. We've got to, we've got to be able to endure things for a long time. All of these things are important. When they see us going through hard times and yet still keeping the joy of the Lord, still being loving, doing all these things, it's going to cause them to look at God. When they see us, because here's, here's the truth. At the end of the day, people know that you're no better than they are. They know that there's really nothing special about you. And so when they see you handling things through the Spirit that they know that they couldn't handle, it's going to get them looking at God. So understand, while all these things too, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit... You could say, well, this is kind of general too. I need the list. You know, love. Again, that could be so many things. But every, every action that goes with love, whether it be giving, whether it be, you know, just giving somebody a hug or whatever, all of those things can be done in sin too. They can do to lift yourself up. They can also be done, uh, you know, in hypocrisy. You know, so, and I, I've literally seen examples of people go on social media and publicly announce that they were going to give some gift to their enemy because they were obeying Jesus and they were going to love their enemies and bless those that curse them. I've watched that happen more than once. And when I see that, I was like, did you not read all of the Sermon on the Mount? Okay, obviously, we're supposed to love our enemies, but I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to put on a show of it. I don't think that's the way we're supposed to, we're supposed to do these things. But yet, that's what people are doing. Anything for a photo op. Anything to make a video go viral. People do that. That is not what the Bible's talking about. When it talks about them seeing our good works, I believe what we ought to just think about is fruit of the Spirit. Whenever you read Matthew 5 and it says that they may see your good works, whatever good works pop in your head, you should just think fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. If, I, if, if whatever I'm doing is motivated by the fruit of the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, if I have the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, if I have all these things, against such there is no law. You never violate God's law when you are walking in the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is not going to be to sin. That's the, that's the fruit of the flesh. That's the, that's the lust of the flesh being made manifest. So we've got to make sure we keep that fruit of the Spirit he said, you might feel like you're confused about what to do publicly and what to do privately. But just look at it this way. If you're walking in the Spirit, you'll get it right every time. Just walk in the Spirit, you get it right every single time. We all, I think we all instinctively know what makes ourselves look good versus what makes God look good. And we need to be humble and keep our focus on glorifying God. We were made for His pleasure and we should do whatever it takes to please Him. So I hope this I hope this helps, and I hope this will help you d distinguish when to let people see your good works and when not to. I hope you uh, reconcile any conflict you see between what was said in Matthew five and Matthew chapter six. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the examples that you've given. And I pray you'll help us to take these principles and apply them to our life. And Lord, if we get any, if anybody uh, gets anything from this message, I just pray that they'll uh, just have a greater desire to uh, walk in the Spirit and to display the fruit of the Spirit in their life, Lord, because our world does need examples, Lord. We do need a light and help us not to hide our light under a bushel, waste our time putting on shows, doing things just make ourselves look good, but help us 
actually do our job and glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen.